Hi, everyone. This is Ben Guest, and this is the Creativity, Education, and Leadership Podcast. You may remember last week I had Ivory Johnson, a former student of mine, who's now a teacher at the same high school in the Mississippi Delta, where I once taught him. It's a fantastic interview, maybe my favorite episode that I've done so far. Anyway, a few days later, Ivory contacted me because there was a court case, a state Supreme Court case in Mississippi, where the state Supreme Court overturned the right of its citizens to bring a ballot initiative that citizens could vote on and pass laws. It's an attack on progressive principles. Ivory thought it'd be a good idea to hop on the pod and fill in the listeners on what's happening in Mississippi. And of course, I 100% agree. Enjoy the episode. All right, Ivory, Mississippi, tell us what's going on. Ooh, it seems like Mississippi is just adamant that they're going to stay in the 1960s and anybody who does not like it can go to hell. <laughs> and so this week, and this is just off the top of my head, this week we had the governor announcing that he's going to stop accepting uh, the extra federal unemployment benefits. Uh, our state Supreme Court uh, gutted our ballot initiative process and the Mississippi Court of Appeals failed to overturn a man's life without parole sentence for 30 grams of marijuana. So, Whoa, yes, this 30, has not been life without parole, 30 grams of marijuana. Yeah, I don't want to go into specifics because I don't know the details intimately but there's a gentleman I can't remember his name off the top of my head but yeah he he was appealing his life sentence and the court of appeals split five five on whether or not life without parole for an ounce of marijuana uh violated the eighth amendment I genuinely hate it here sometimes like we are just actively regressive uh, uh. And then the, the ballot initiative that the Supreme Court struck down? Ivory, you there? Hello? Sorry. Hello? Uh, yeah, you cut out for a second. So I, I asked about the ballot initiative. Talk to us about that. Hold on, Jess. You okay? um, yeah, do you need to set something up? No, uh, it's just my Wi-Fi. Uh, hold okay. on. Okay. Can you hear me? Uh, it's still in and out. Say, say something else. Something else. Okay. I think we're good. But yeah, like I was saying, this would bug me less. This would all bug me less if Mississippi didn't have a Republican governor since 2003, uh, 2004, technically, a Republican legislature for all um, just about as long and a Republican Supreme Court, like seven to uh, ideological split on the on the Supreme Court. So all of these actions supremely bug me because there's no chance that the Republicans will be called to answer for them in the elections. Uh, it, it's just it it feels like we're being shown that there is not going to be any hope here like the, the state legislature 
legislature and the state courts and the governor seem bound and determined to uh, to stamp out any hope of actually improving the state, except for businesses. Ugh. Republicans gonna republic. Yeah, and it, it's crazy because with the ballot initiative, between the two initiative propositions, the one from the ballot initiative and the one that the legislature proposed as an alternative on the ballot, 65 and 65A, between those two, somewhere between 70 and 74% of all of Mississippi voted in favor of uh, legalizing marijuana for medicinal use. And that that that's unheard of. I, I can't think of a single moment in Mississippi's history where a fair election resulted in 70% for one option or the other in any election. I can't think of it. Right. We're, we're, talk, we're talking so white is, and black coming together, Republican and Democratic coming together. It's basically, yeah. you never see this type of consensus in Mississippi. Yeah, never, never, absolutely never ever, even in high turnout elections, you're never going to see anybody win 70% of anything, with one exception. The presidential elections are the only times you'll see 70% of Mississippians do anything. But other than that, I have not seen consensus like this. And for the state Supreme Court to junk it on a technicality is shameful. I hope they have to answer for it when they come up for re-election, but I doubt they will. So, so help us understand, break down what, what occurred and how unusual it okay. was. Okay, well, all right. Well, uh, Mississippi has a ballot initiative uh, law, and it was written before we lost our fifth Senate seat after the 2000 census. But the ballot initiative law allows Mississippi voters to propose and uh, vote on legislation that becomes state law. It is a counteract, it's a, it's a countermanding, a, a balance, a check and a balance, if you will, on the power of the legislature. Because in this situation, the legislature failed to act. So there was a ballot initiative. The ballot initiative law was followed as thoroughly as it could be as it was written. And right before the election, while people were voting on it via absentee ballots, the mayor of Madison, Mississippi, sued right before the election to overturn the certification of the initiative. Because the way it works is you got to get signatures. And then the Secretary of State certifies it and puts it on the ballot. So the mayor of Madison argued that the certification was unconstitutional. Well, not unconstitutional. Well, yeah, unconstitutional because it violates uh, state law. The initiative law, as it is written, says that you have to have a certain number of signatures from each of the five Mississippi districts. The Secretary of State's website says that you have to get a certain number of signatures in each of the five districts as they existed in 2000. That's what the website says, but state law doesn't quite say that. So the Supreme Court ruled that the legislature 
created an initiative scheme that cannot operate if Mississippi has anything other than five seats, anything other than five House districts. So they jumped the uh, rule Proposition 65 null and void, and they've made it abundantly clear that until the legislature amends the initiative law, there can be no ballot initiatives in the state of Mississippi. Now, this Whoa. is particularly interesting. This year, this year, Mississippi was working on ballot initiatives to expand Medicaid and increase ballot access through early voting. Those are dead now. Holy shit. Yeah. So, so basically, like, if we go back to 2000 Bush v. Gore um, Supreme Court case, you know, that, that was a shameful mm -hmm. ruling in the Supreme Court said this is a total one off. It's just pertains to yeah. this event only in this case. And it's never going to be precedent. Yeah, never going to be precedent. In this mm -hmm. case, Mayor of Madison, apparently they don't smoke weed in Madison. Mayor of Madison brings um, this to the state Supreme Court and the state Supreme Court, instead of saying, OK, on this initiative, we're rejecting it on this grounds. They're saying we reject all ballot initiatives, meaning no citizen of the state of Mississippi can bring, as is their constitutional right, as is their legal right, um, can bring an init initiative uh, forward to get enough signatures or whatever the process is to put an, uh, an item on the ballot. Is that, am I explaining it correctly? Now, to be clear, mm -hmm. the ruling doesn't explicitly state that initiatives are dead but it does implicitly state it because what the ruling says is the scheme, the, the, the plan as it exists now violates the law. You cannot, we, we don't have five uh, house districts. We haven't had five house districts in 20 years. We've had ballot initiatives passed since then, including our voter ID law, but we've not had five house districts. So all of a sudden, despite previous ballot initiatives passing despite, with, four, with four house districts, all of a sudden, this one initiative is the one that gets put under a microscope. So what the court says is the scheme can't work without five districts, as it is written. The courts say that the only recourse is to rewrite the law and the courts can't do that. So essentially they're saying until the legislature fixes the law there can be no ballot initiatives because the law is invalid as it is written right now all they got to do is either scratch out five and change it to four or scratch out uh five and change it to each of the but i honestly believe in my heart of hearts that the state legislature did this on purpose they've never they they they've never the 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 republican dominated because Republicans have a supermajority in both houses of our state legislature. They have more than two thirds of both houses. So the Republican legislature has failed to revise the initiative law. Uh, I read an article in the Mississippi Free Press that uh, stated that there have been seven attempts to revise the uh, seven attempts to revise the initiative law since 2000, and they've all failed. And for a significant portion of that time, Republicans have held 
massive majorities in both houses of our state legislature. So this was allowed to exist and continue until they got to an initiative that they did not want. This now, was now the initiative that they did not want, is yeah, it the medical marijuana initiative or is this just a Trojan horse to prevent the other two initiatives I from happening? Think, I, I think that the medical marijuana initiative was a wake up call because I can, I can safely, comfortably say out loud that I genuinely thought that the initiative wasn't going to pass at all, period. I thought it was going to fail and fail miserably. But it got significant support, 68% uh, for uh, Proposition 65, for both of the propositions combined, about 74%. That is wild. So immediately, citizens in Mississippi started new ballot initiative program, uh, ballot initiatives to expand Medicaid, like our legislature has refused to do, and to increase access to voting, which our legislature has refused to do. What we're going to see nationwide, I believe, is an attack on the ballot initiative process, because it's one of the ways the people can effectuate change independent of the legislature. Uh, and we've seen from 2000 and since the 2000 election that the name of the game for Republicans is to reduce the number of people who can vote. So we're going to see an attack on ballot initiatives nationwide, I believe. But uh, I think that the medical marijuana initiative uh, jolted the uh, establishment into action and they activated this, this uh, they activated this, this worm that they've had in place all this time. Like I said, in 2011, voter ID was a ballot initiative. It passed. So if the ballot initiative law, as it was written then, because it's the same one, it's the same as it was written now, if it was invalid now, how is that initiative valid? It's valid because they wanted it to be valid. The same legal challenge could have been proposed to that initiative or any other initiative we've had passed since we lost that fifth seat. They chose this one because of what it represented. It represented the beginning of actual progressive politics in Mississippi. This is the most progressive public action I've ever seen the citizens of Mississippi take in my life. So, of course, we got to nip this in the bud. And as a result, we're left with gerrymandered legislatures, uh, gerrymandered uh, chambers on both sides of our legislature, Republican dominated with uh, every intention of staying so. so. Uh, after the voter ID law, there was a rash of DMV closing statewide. They actually closed the DMV in Greenville for years. They're just opening it back up this year, but I want to say it had been closed for whew, four or five years. At like it, it, it's somewhere in that range, but yeah, once they passed the voter ID law, once the Shelby decision came came down in 2013, Mississippi actively started uh, closing DMVs. 
So they're reopening the one in Greenville, but in exchange, they're closing the one in Indianola. But before they reopen Greenville, the closest driver's license stations to Washington County were in Indianola and Cleveland. And one of the things people say about voter ID laws is why shouldn't you have to get an ID to vote? But they never ever mention the things that come along with voter ID laws. And I'm, I'm on a tangent right now. I, I just realized I'm ranting a little bit. No, please but go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> but no, uh, we, 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 we take conservative efforts at face value in this country. And we ascribe malice to liberal progressive values. Uh, Republicans want to cut taxes on business and the wealthy for the good of us all. But Democrats want to tax and spend and it will hurt us all somehow. And, and those two are some like logically compatible in the mind of the average American. But what we're seeing here in the state of Mississippi is a government that is actively opposed to democratic representation, small d democratic representation. It is actively hostile to our institutions, actively hostile to our persons, actively hostile to our to us all and so i say to everyone who is listening please please stop the backwards mississippian jokes we are being held hostage here a majority of mississippians i would actually argue are not conservative mississippi is not a red state it is a gerrymandered voter suppressed blue state. Mississippi is 30 to 33% black, depending on your estimates. It does not stand to reason that we should have a two-thirds Republican uh, legislature, either side. Doesn't make sense. It does not make sense. A majority of a majority of the black people in Mississippi live in the Delta or in Hines County. And it's not a coincidence that when we did redistrict in 2000, Benny Thompson's district became the Delta plus Hines County. That's not a coincidence. These are what we're dealing with here. We are we're being robbed of our political power at the local level, at the state level, at the federal level. We're being held hostage. So anytime you see a Mississippi legislator stand up and say, we ought to secede from the union. Anytime you see the governor of Mississippi stand up and say, well, I'm going to cancel the mask mandate or we're not going to take federal unemployment insurance anymore. Please stop the Mississippi jokes. Please stop those because they're, the, these policies actively harm Mississippians. These policies hurt the poor, the indigent, the disabled, children, the elderly. 
we are being attacked by our government and it's becoming clearer and clearer and clearer as time comes along. What happened in Georgia could happen in Mississippi. And quite frankly, that's what they're afraid of. Where, where, so where Mississippi flips from red to blue. Yeah, Mississippi could absolutely flip from red to blue. All we'd have to do is increase our turnout. All we'd have to do is increase our turnout. But anytime Mississippi tries to take that step forward, we get knocked back. There's a gentleman, and I wish I remembered his name. I haven't read the story in a while, but there's a gentleman in a county in Mississippi. I want to say Clay County, but don't quote me on that because I'm not 100% sure. Uh, he was the he was the chair of the county Democratic Party. He was a black gentleman, and he flipped a lot of seats in the county by increasing the number of mail-in voters. So they charged him with election fraud. And just quick history lesson. Quick history lesson. In the 50s and 60s, during the civil rights movement, there were dozens of people, dozens of activists whose name we know, and hundreds and thousands of people whose names we don't, who were fired from their jobs for trying to register to vote. Because when they went to register to vote, they had to give their employer's name. They did that. And so the county would call their employer and say, your employee just registered to vote or tried to. Fannie Lou Hamer got fired from a job for that, trying to register to vote. This is the context through which we have to filter all of these decisions that are being made. This is the historical context of Mississippi. This is the hole we dug for ourselves. We have to live with it. It's shameful, it's hurtful, it, 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 it makes us uncomfortable. We, it's us, it's our past, and we aren't learning from it, which is why we're about to repeat it. And, and just to second something and, and add a little bit to that. So, of course, I grew up in, in the North, went to school in the North, had never been to Mississippi, um, before I came to Mississippi as a teacher um, in the Delta. Uh -huh. And, you know, kind of going along with what you're saying, you know, there were a lot of comments from friends and family about, are you going to Mississippi? Like you need a passport, you go into another country, you go into another world, you go into a backwards place. Um, I, I disagree a little bit with what you said at the end. This is not Mississippi. This is America. And it lets people, it lets Americans off the hook when we make those jokes. Oh, that's Mississippi. Thank God for Mississippi, Alabama. Thank God for Mississippi. They're always going to be worse than we are, whatever it is. It, it lets people remove themselves from responsibility for what's happened. But it's not Mississippi. This is America. Absolutely. Absolutely. What Mississippi does is what Mississippi does for, 
for America what Donald Trump does for the Republican Party. They say the quiet part loud. There are plenty of states in this country that are actively hostile to their residents. There are plenty of states in this country that give ta massive tax breaks to corporations while all their citizens live in squalor. There are plenty of them. But Mississippi is the totem. Mississippi is the, 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 the representation of bigotry and prejudice. But like you said, all of that is American. It's not unique to Mississippi. The manifestations are unique to Mississippi, but the feelings aren't. The history really isn't, if we're just being honest. It's just that Mississippi has not bothered with the subtlety of, say, uh, an Ohio or a Pennsylvania. The, the bottom line is many people in power and the corporations that fund their super PACs and their re-election campaigns and blah, 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 they don't want black people to vote. They don't want poor people to vote. Mm -hmm. Full and, stop. And absolutely. And I'll tell you this. I'll tell you a little secret. I'll tell you listeners a little secret. In a republic, the side that wants the fewest people possible to vote is the side that knows it will lose a fair election. The little secret we have in this country is that the Republican Party is a minoritarian party. If we had turnout of 100% of all eligible voters, the Senate would probably be something like 60-40 or 65-35 Democrat. I'm just going to be real with you. There would not be a Southern Republican senator if we had 100% turnout. If we voted online, if we, uh, if, if we made absentee voting available to everybody, if we made early voting available to everybody, if we made Election Day a federal holiday, if we extended Election Day from Tuesday to Friday through Tuesday, the Republicans would be done and they know it. Some of them have even been caught saying it out loud. Including Trump. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Yeah. They, they will flat out tell you, if we do not suppress the vote, we will never win another election. That should tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, I, I just saw something today about there's a bipartisan commission investigating the insurrection at the Capitol, and the Democrats agreed to let it be 50-50 Democrat-Republican and give Republicans veto power over who they subpoena. Now, I have seen a reasonable case made for the first part. 
the the Senate is effectively 50-50 split and the House is almost a 50-50 split. But a majority, wait, 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 let me let me do the math. I won't say a majority because it's not a technical majority, but a significant portion of the Republican membership of Congress voted not to certify the results of the Electoral College, even after that insurrection. There are members of Congress who may be complicit in this insurrection. So to give them veto power on who gets subpoenaed, now, just to be clear, I am not a lawyer, but I want to explain the concept of a subpoena for, for, for you listeners, just in case. The subpoena means you got to show up, you got to tell the truth. If you don't, you go to jail. It's as simple as that. The subpoena forces you to testify. Congress has the power to issue subpoenas and force people to testify or be held in contempt of Congress. Congress is about to give up that power because I guarantee you, we are not going to hear the end of the Republicans on this subpoena veto stuff. When, subpoena, when subpoenas get issued, the Republicans are going to raise hell and say, why are you talking to these people? I could not, in good conscience, give veto power over subpoenas to a party that refused to hear witnesses in the impeachment trial of President Trump. Now, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm a partisan. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being hard on the Republicans. I don't know. But they haven't seen like they wanted to get to the bottom of anything in the last four years. So why, why, why would you give them the ability to negate the most powerful tool you have? The most powerful tool that commission would have is the power to force people to talk to them on pains of perjury. Do you really think that the Republicans in Congress are going to let people like Roger Stone testify. Hell no. Because you ask him something under oath, no mm -hmm. telling where that goes. Exactly. And he has a president in place that will not pardon him for committing perjury before Congress. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Roger Stone won't be called to testify. The planners of this be called to testify. Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor Greene won't be called won't, to testify. Won't be called to testify. The, if she wasn't the member of Congress giving tours on January 5th, whoever that member is won't be called to testify. Yeah. Yeah, Ivory, you are a partisan. You're a partisan for fairness. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm acknowledging I'm, I'm acknowledging my bias so that your listeners can isolate it and account for it. I don't think that the Republicans are going to behave in good faith in this process. And at, at which point ever have they demonstrated mm -hmm. they'll do that? Never. So what? I said, at which point ever have Republicans demonstrated that they're going to act in good faith, much less for the benefit of the people that make up 
the United States of America? Well, if you give me a second, I can come up with an actual answer. <laughs> I mean, look, it hasn't we, we just, been recently. It, we just, it hasn't we, been recently. I'll say this much. I'll, I'll say this much. Mm-hmm. The Republican Party, as it currently exists, is the culmination of the last, I'd say, 60 years of Republican politics since Nixon ran for the presidency in 1960. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it goes Nixon, Goldwater, Nixon. Mm-hmm. Nixon, the, the Republican nominees from 60 on are Nixon, Goldwater, Nixon, Nixon, Ford, Reagan, Reagan, Bush, uh, Bush, Bush, McCain, Rom, Trump, Trump. Those are the Demo- those are the Republican nominees for president since 1960. So what we're seeing now is the snowball that started from uh, Nixon losing in 60, Goldwater losing in 64, and the big switch in 68. And it, so what we're seeing now is just the ripples from those from those stones, but there's been a market a just you can tell there's a clear difference in the last 10 or 12 years or so yeah i mean the crazies uh, like, are really have been let like loose said, in the asylum yeah like i said like i said earlier the republicans started to say the quiet part loud and it mm-hmm. all it, it all correlates i won't say it's caused by because I, I don't have the evidence on hand to say that but i will say it correlates with the election of barack obama yeah, hundred percent. You see a distinct shift in strategy from two thousand nine forward for the Republican Party. It became more uh, adversarial. It became more obstinate. It became more virulently, openly xenophobic, transphobic, uh, homophobic, and racist. But those were always there they just were buried under the small government uh deregulation tax cut stuff the law right. and order stuff it was always there mm-hmm. american values all that stuff was always there but now it's out loud right and now it's being amplified through a megaphone that we did not have throughout american history social media Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and now more than ever, we have seen a politicis a politicization and polarization of the mainstream media that did not exist before, or at least not publicly to this extent. Mm-hmm. To the point where the media as an institution has lost credibility with uh, voters, and is not performing its prescribed function as a determined critic of the administration no matter who the administration is like that is the point of the media the job of the media is to hold whoever's in power to the fire hold their feet to the fire and we're not seeing that anymore yeah Uh, in in, in theory that's the job of the media in the real world the job of the media is to sell advertising time which is based on conflict and 
surface yeah you know well, bullshit that that is a that is a result of a culture change when it comes to the mm-hmm. news because for and, the and, a, and time, a legal change the the once once they got rid yeah. of the fair time rule well for the longest time uh for the longest time news news as a corporate function was a loss leader mm-hmm. the point of yep. news wasn't to make money the point of news was to earn the right to stay on the air <laughs> like you had to do certain things to keep your broadcasting license before cable mm-hmm. well cable isn't regulated like broadcast tv because the uh federal government doesn't own the cable airwaves so cable has led to things like the 24-hour news cycle uh especially with especially after the Gulf War and OJ and the rise of just outright partisan uh, political media on television for mainstream consumption. There were things like, uh, what was that show that uh, William Buckley and Gore Vidal debated on? Yeah, it was kind of like Crossfire or whatever. I think it was Crossfire. Yeah, Yeah, whatever it was called. Like those were the programs where you heard partisan views and they were measured debates about reasonable topics between reasonable people that only occasionally turned into what we see on CNN every day. And those moments where it got out of hand, where Buckley threatened to punch Vidal in his face and said some things that I simply cannot say on your podcast that was an exception. That's why it stood out. Now you turn on CNN and you've got four idiots screaming at each other all day long. All the and, time. You, and you end up with an entity like CNN instead of accurately reporting what happens, they're legitimizing fringe viewpoints in the name of appearing fair. Mm-hmm. And, and and all of it feeds on each other. And I think sometimes people get too caught up in, is it, you know, is this, you mentioned earlier about President Obama being elected and it kind of accelerated all of this. And I think people try to pinpoint like, what's the one thing? Is it race politics? Is it Fox News? Is it uh, our obsession with celebrity? Whatever it is, it's all of it. And my take on it, if we zoom out to the macro level is, um, there's no grand conspiracy. I think people, for some reason, like conspiracies because it makes them think that they know something secret or that there is some um, meaning behind all this. There's no meaning behind it. It's just that capitalism is the air that we breathe. And to, to paraphrase the movie Jurassic Park, capital will find a way. Capital is always going to find a way. And so the end result of all that we're talking about, voter suppression and um, the majority, uh, the, the will of the majority of the Americans not being represented, what does that lead to? Well, what was Trump's only legislative accomplishment when he had both houses? It was tax cuts. Capital will find a way. And even people that are rich or even people that are heads of whatever corporations, you know, 
in their mind, um, they may be against various policies that Republicans put forth, so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, um, it's hard. Uh, there, there's a quote that I think Al Gore used in uh, Inconvenient Truth. I don't know where it originated, but it's hard to convince somebody of something when they're getting paid depends on them remaining unconvinced. So there's no grand conspiracy. There's no, there's nobody behind the curtain, but capital is going to find a way and it's going to promote policies, whether it's getting rid of um, fair time for political debates on TV mm-hmm. or it's um, striking down ballot initiatives in Mississippi uh, or it's passing restrictive voting laws in Georgia. It's all in service of electing officials who are going to deregulate and cut taxes so that corporations can enrich themselves even more. Absolutely. Hi, uh, sir. Throughout I, America. I, I, I got to run. We're going to, I think maybe what we'll do is make a regular um, dispatches from Mississippi. So you can kind of fill us in on the micro as to what's going on. And we'll, okay. do our, we'll do our best to, to balance that with how does that fit into the overall system that we're all living in, whether that's America or whether that's the world. Um, I'm sorry we don't have more time for this, but it's been, I, I don't know, enlightening and depressing. What, what, what's the word for a combination of enlightening, enraging, and depressing at the same time? Whatever that word is. That's, that's, what, that's what this is. But Ivory, thank you as always for, for your analysis. Um, and we'll talk again soon. All right. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. That was Ivory Johnson. My name is Ben Guest. This is the Creativity, Education, and Leadership Podcast. Please subscribe. And you can find all of my work at benbow.substack.com. That's benbow.substack.com. Have a great day.